Welcome to the Matcast. You're listening to a podcast that strives to bring the church world and the art world closer together. My name is Matt Anderson, and I am so glad you can join us today. Also, if you can remember that on Apple or iTunes podcasts, a five-star rating and review is greatly appreciated. My guest today is a man of many talents. Uh, we have him here today because he is the author of three books, one very recent. But let me tell you a little bit about him first. Uh, he received his Bachelor of Science in Chemistry from Lake Erie College, uh, an MA in Theology and Theological Studies from Evangel University. Uh, and then at that point, he really went into full-time ministry and uh, was serving as a youth pastor. And while doing that, uh, achieved his Master of Business Administration from Bluffton University. In 2011, he founded Agape Tremont, which was a hybrid art gallery and church. And I don't know if we'll have time to talk about it, but I would love for you to hear about that. Uh on the near west side of Cleveland, Ohio. He's been uh, an adjunct professor at Malone University. He's worked for Bank of America, New York Life, and presently he is a business systems analyst for AML Light Source in Cleveland. Steve Rosenberger, welcome to the MacCast. Hey, Matt, it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, welcome to the loft. Isn't this, isn't this just a really highfalutin setting up here? It is. It is. I especially love the uh, the breezy breeziness. <laughs> yeah, we have to shut off everything to record. We have absolutely no air conditioning. We are such martyrs. Uh, hopefully, this won't take us, you know, three hours, or else, you know, this could turn into a whole different sort of an interview. It'll be a sweat box up in here. But it's good to have you here. Uh, so right out, right out the bat. What makes a person who has been in ministry on various levels and someone who has been in business for many years, what makes that person decide to be a writer? Well, I think it, uh, irregardless of uh, your industry, um, collective experience seems to be uh, the driving force uh, for at least my own writing. And I think that collective experience is what drives most people to want to write. Um, you know, I know that uh, there's plenty of experiences that you have that uh, have come through your own writing. Um, and most of my experiences, uh, specifically the second book, uh, which really came out of the experiences at the art gallery, mm. um, uh, that was the birth of that. Um, and. Uh, my experiences over the past uh, couple of years, um, you know, really wanting to uh, see discipleship take a forefront in the lives of Christians uh, was what birthed uh, the most recent book. Yeah, because it's always when you're going to do the writing thing, at some point you have to convince yourself that you have something to say that people want to read. 
Right. Right. <laughs> so there, there's like a canyon jump there for every writer. Right. Um, I don't know what yours was like. If you can remember a time when that sort of happened, you're like, I should be a writer. Or you just went, I got to just tell the world this. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, again, being birthed from experiences, some of it um, not pleasant and wanting to just get off my chest what I needed to. <laughs> That's a great way to write, too, by the yeah. way. <laughs> it's a good good reason. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think just uh, all the experiences, you know, draw that out of you and, uh, you know, compel you uh, to write and, and share that with, uh, with others. Um, and you right. realize, you know, at, at the onset um, that maybe your voice isn't something that everybody wants to hear. It's, it's maybe right. not everybody's taste. Yeah, um, I've I, discovered that. <laughs> and, and I think we're fooling ourselves if we think that we're somehow going to end up becoming yeah. wealthy men and women right. from the books that we write, especially the ones that might be independently published. Um, you know, there are very few New York Times bestsellers out there, um, and we're not amongst them. No, um, not yet. So, it, you know, the writing that we do has to be personal. Mm. Um, and we have to know who our audience is and uh, be satisfied knowing that uh, the audience that we have, um, you know, is enough. Okay. Well, speaking of that, it's because you've written three books. The first one was was geared towards pastors. It's called The Pastor's Briefcase, a very practical sort of a tool guide. The second book was called The Relation Equation, mm -hmm. and that was more a general audience and not even necessarily believers. Right. Um, and that now your third book is, is I mean, your third book is very Christian and very discipleship. It's like you've had three totally different audiences uh, for your books. How was that intentional at all? Or it's just this is the way it kind of crumbles in my life? Yeah. And I think that all three of those books came out of three very different places in my own life. Um, and the books are reflective of that. Uh, the relation equation in the middle, I think, is probably the most uh, most prevalent example of that. Um, you know, as we were in a very uh, secular, um, very art-driven, um, up-and-coming neighborhood in Cleveland, uh, you know, trying to, you know, help people reconcile the cross with uh, with their art world, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and trying to wrap our, our minds around how we can build relationships and earn enough trust with individuals um, to be able to earn the right to share the gospel, uh, maybe vocally with them. Um, the, that whole idea was was difficult for me to wrap my head around. And the book was really an expression after the fact of, uh, of how I was able to wrap my mind around it. So there are a lot of technical aspects to the book, um, which may seem a little bit abstract, um, but, you know, at least in my mind, they were beneficial. Yeah. Um, and I know that there have been individuals who have told me that you know, it's, it's helped them connect the dots in, you know, maybe failing relationships or, 
you know, difficult relationships that they've had. Right. And I, I think it, I mean, it appeals to everyone, but I could see this really appealing to sort of a more of like an educated professional. It's almost an educated professional look at relationship. Mm-hmm. It's almost, uh, I'm trying to think of, of how to term this. It's almost a dispassionate look at relationship mm-hmm. uh, from a, almost from like a business standpoint and how much equity we have in relationship and 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 you have i know you've told me stories of people you've worked with who have benefited from the book yeah one of the prime examples uh you know i i do have a a friend and colleague who uh, is a uh, well-known teacher in uh, the cleveland school district uh very well connected and uh, has done a lot of good um you know and, and really compelled a lot of other individuals to do good and that has been the driving that book was the driving force uh, you know, behind, you know, his way to, uh, you know, to reconcile, you know, building relationship equity in a um, very impoverished neighborhood within Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So the disparity between, you know, uh, many of just the council, council individuals, um, administration, uh, and, and the teachers, um, you know, and administration in the schools um, with, Compared to the community at large, um, which you know is, is oftentimes um, you know lacking basic necessities, um, so how are they able to reconcile um, you know that disparity and be able to um, you know to come together and help those individuals meet their meet their needs? Nice, and, and it really. Yeah, and it's it's just cool because so many books about relationship were so emotional and feeling driven. I, I love the fact that you took you just took a very different approach to it, and nothing wrong with the the emotional feeling approach, but I think it, it often can send us negative directions. Um, I want you to get into your writing process a little bit. Tell me. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say you've got the idea. Okay, you've got the idea for the book. Um, what happens next? Do you typically outline your book? Yeah, um, I I start uh, specifically with um, just a an outline that doesn't look much different than my table of contents. Honestly, um, you know, obviously the uh, the chapter titles um, are moving, so those will likely change. But um, and and honestly, I, I don't write chronologic chronologically either. Hmm. Um, you know, whatever inspiration comes to me at that point in time, um, is, is what I'm going to write on. And I will begin to then, uh, piece that puzzle together over time. Um, and then I'll fill in the gaps where necessary, but, um, but I, I don't have necessarily the longest attention span either. Right. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm, I'm a coffee house writer, as I think you are. Uh, yeah, I do. I do like to do that when I can. Yeah. So I, I, I will take my laptop into the coffee house and, uh, you know, stay as, as long as my attention will allow me to. And the management. And the management. <laughs> yeah, if the if the cups are not refillable. Right, uh, see, that really puts a crimp in the rain. It really does. Yeah. Um, or if the scones are bad. Well, that, well, that goes yeah, without saying. Exactly. Um, but uh, I, I do need a change of scenery. 
uh, quite often. And, and that was really the case throughout my schooling as well. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the process, the writing process is never, you know, just as easy as sitting it down and pushing it out in one, one setting. And I'll say that even over the course of maybe the last six months, um, when we've been experiencing this downtime, uh, with the, uh, with the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, it's given me, you know, an opportunity, maybe the Lord telling me, you know, all right, it's time to be still and, and get to work. Um, so a, a process that may have been a bit more fragmented and, you know, taken a bit longer, um, hmm. was, a, I think a bit accelerated by, you know, the stillness of, of the last, number of months so this is all your fault is that what you're trying to tell us yes yes my, my disobedience uh, uh, to the father has, we've has all been suffering all. so that you could write <laughs> right <laughs> do you do you have do you schedule in your times of writing or do you kind of wait until you feel inspired to do so um, I, I generally wait until my queue at uh, my queue at uh, Netflix is is, is empty, um, and then I'll wow. grab my laptop and go. Right. But uh, no, um, yeah, I, I try to schedule uh, some time uh, during the weekend at least. Generally, uh, after a work day, I'm I'm not, you know, um, greatly in the mood to. Yeah you know, to embrace the writing process. Right. But. Cause I find that takes even more energy than just doing the work work that you're right. doing from nine to five. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's part of that creative process and, yeah. and you can't always schedule the creative process as I'm sure you've experienced that, yeah. you know, it's, it's something that when inspiration strikes you, you know, sometimes you just have to pencil in that time and say, all right, inspiration's here and you know, I'm going to let it, uh, let it take over. Okay. Um, what is the hardest part of writing a book? What's the hardest part for you? Uh, by far the editing process, mm. um, accepting notes back. Mm. Um, and, and thank you by the way, on the notes, uh, uh, for on your mark. Um, I, I will, uh, say that those notes were extremely helpful. Um, but even when it comes to the, uh, to the formal editing, um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud when it comes to even sentence structure. Right. Uh, you know, and, and so to be told that, you know, uh, this doesn't make terribly great sense. Mm. Well, it made sense in my head. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, that's that's a big part of writing. Right. It's It's getting the thing in our head on a page so that anyone in America or in Europe or wherever can read it and get it. That's, I mean, wow, that is, that, that is hard. That's as hard as it gets. And, and it's almost uh, a completely different uh, dimension uh, from preaching. And, mm. you know, I know you have a lot of experience with that as well, that, uh, you know, you, you write your sermons and I typically will manuscript mine um, and you get up to the, the pulpit and, and you speak and what comes out necessarily doesn't sound as, as good as what, you know, what you wrote <laughs> or what you, what you intended. And, uh, you know, maybe you get a comment or two after, you know, well, what did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the writing process, uh, you know, once that book's out there, it's it's in stone 
Yeah. Um, so your your intention better be clear. Hi there, friends. This is Otto Johnson from Otto's Autos. And for 25 years, I have been yelling on the radio to show you how excited I am about the deals we have going on at Otto's Autos. Because of that, my cardiologist has expressed his concerns and has ordered me to take it down a notch as I tell you about our fall sales. So in good faith and under doctor's orders, I have hooked myself up to this EKG to monitor my heart rhythm and stay within safe parameters. But I have to admit, it's not easy to do when I tell you we've got to clear the 2020 models and we're taking 20% off the sticker price. 20% off. Are you kidding me? You heard me right. My managers are telling me it's impossible, but I say no. And right now, you can get into a lease on a new 2021 model for only $1,000 down. Don't even bother looking because you won't find these prices anywhere in the metro area. I'm practically giving these cars away, but I've saved the biggest deal for last. Right now, for a limited time, we are offering a guaranteed $5,000 trade-in on all cars. And when I say all cars, I mean all cars. No matter what make, model, or year, it could be your grandmother's old Chrysler K. I don't care if you have to pull it, push it tow it, or even deliver it by truck, you will receive $5,000 for that trade. These prices are insane. You must act today because, because, ah. Stand clear. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Whew, wow. Well, guess I'm back. Well, i uh, that was kind of a close one there. Well, uh, come on down to Autos Autos before these deals expire. Or I do. You do get to that point where hearing people's thoughts in your material, in editing, I mean, it's very, it, it's, it's almost like a focus group. It's very, <laughs> it's very confrontational. Uh, I remember someone, I, I had a group of people read my, my novel and someone came back to me and she goes, I hate this guy. And I'm like, wow, you want to just like temper that a little bit, maybe? And just, just I, I hate this guy. You got to change this because I am not rooting for this guy. And 
Um, but uh, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And right. I, it's coming to that place of realizing that the feedback is truth. Um, do you take every note? Like, give me a percentage of when people send you editing notes, do you just take all of them and be like, yes, 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 and yes? Or you're like, uh-uh, I'm dying on that hill. Uh, you know, I, I would say that I probably take about two-thirds of them. Um, I never have written a text and had just one person give me feedback. Yeah. Uh, with On Your Mark, the last uh, text, uh, I had, I believe, 10 individuals, including yourself, uh, you know, submit notes back to me. Um, and so if I see common threads, uh, then I know that maybe that's something that really requires attention. Mm, okay, that's good. Um, but also, I mean, there are certain biases that each one of us carries. And the majority of the individuals that I've asked to do that are close to me. Um, and so not only do they know my own biases, but I also know their biases. And, you know, from a theological standpoint, maybe they're not going to agree with mm. every single point that I make. Mm -hmm. And so I have to also give that some consideration as well. Right. Um, so you, you kind of take everything with a grain of salt. And again, you, you can't be insulted or offended by, you know, the notes that you're receiving back. Yeah. And that's, that's difficult to put your pride aside. Yeah. Uh, that's great advice, though, because, boy, you, we just we need to know the truth. And mm -hmm. sometimes we just we're too close to it and we don't see it. And and then, like you said, the counsel of many. And, uh, you know, here's like a great tip uh, that I sometimes give to uh, newer authors is find 10 to 20 people and offer them a free book if they'll review the manuscript and and then you know go on amazon and give you a nice you know rating <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't hurt either um but you do and i think you're absolutely right if you see a consistent pattern among five or six or ten then you go uh oh you know and that, that's i think that's such great advice because Boy, we live in a world where you just create it and then you just spew it out and okay, deal with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's on YouTube. Deal with it. You know. Right. And and this is a very tempered way of putting out content, but I I still think it's the best, don't you? Absolutely. And again, this last uh, this last text, um, you know, really was more intended for others than to be an expression of my own voice. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted to be certain that it would be received and it would be received well, um, that it was an easy read. It wasn't mm -hmm. an exercise in showing off my, you know, excelling vocabulary. Right. Um, but it was, you know, truly something palatable. Yeah. Um, which... There, I'm using a $10 word. <laughs> we're very highbrow here on the Madcast. We're kind of, we're a little bit like, you know, NPR that way. Right. So without the money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, but I do find in your writing, Steve, that you don't, your, your, your education does not show in your writing. And because you're, because I know exactly what you're saying. There's a way you could do it to blow people out of the water and make them think it's a Harvard Law Review. And, but you, I will say, do the Jesus approach and you find a more common language 
to connect people to the word of God. To me, that's that's an art of communication is being able to know your audience. I, I mean, all the great communicators do that, um, whether it's Lincoln or I mean, Reagan did that really well. And I mean, just some really great um, communicators in our country's history have been able to do that. Um, let's talk about the new book uh, on your mark. And this is, is this for kind of a baby Christian or just someone who wants to go deeper in Christ? Um, I hope it's for both and everything in between. Um, there is plenty of uh, biblical exposition within the text, um, just elaborating on the stories, uh, the parables that Jesus told, uh, trying to, you know, really bring to life um, in our modern language uh, what, you know, what he was trying to convey. Um, and so I hope that even somebody who's been in the church all their life, um, somebody who, you know, has picked up their Bible every day, uh, can read through uh, the text and still glean something. You know, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, that was part of the context of that particular parable. Uh, but by the same token, uh, allowing it to be, you know, a straightforward, easy enough read that, you know, somebody who is brand new to the faith can pick it up and, you know, really begin, um, you know, a journey with Christ and, and allow them to, to have that as a supplement to that. And the title is such because you're plowing through the Gospel of Mark, correct? That's why the title is there. Yeah, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, reading this book, uh, the entire Gospel of Mark is included in that book. But believe me, I wrote the check to pay for the rights for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so the entire book of Mark is in there. Mm. Uh, so this does not stray from the gospel. It's not going to be, you know, just my opinion of life. What made you choose the gospel of Mark? The directness of Mark. Um, I'm a rather direct person. You know, I, I don't like, you know, all the, all the lead up uh, information. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mark skips over the genealogy right. that Matthew includes. And, right. you know, he really just gets down to the And Luke's the doctor, and, so you're going to get a lot of... Right. Yeah, a lot of extra. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, Mark, Mark is just direct, and uh, he's to the point. And I, I really, you know, on your mat and on your Luke, <laughs> uh, really just aren't as no, catchy. No, not, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yes, definitely not. And I've, Lord knows I've heard enough jokes uh, on that with my name over the years. Um, how have you changed as a writer uh, over these last number of years? I would say that my writing has been tempered quite a bit. Um, and I, I, I really think it's gone through many different phases, uh, starting out you know, with, uh, you know, with seminary, um, you know, it was, it was very fluffy, you know, very wordy. Mm. Um, and it was almost required to be. <laughs> right. Um, and so you'll find that in, in my first book. Mm. Um, 
And then by uh, the time I was entering into my MBA program, uh, you know, I, I tanked my first paper hmm. uh, simply because, you know, my writing was far too wordy, far too fluffy, and business writing needs to be hmm. succinct. Right. It needs to be direct and to the point. Okay. And so I, I feel like the second book was a whole lot more direct and to the point. Uh, so I, I saw kind of a transition in my writing there. Um, and now uh, with this final book, um, I, I feel that it is, you know, a reflection of, um, you know, taking the, uh, the gospel message and, and trying to be as succinct as, a, as I can with my description of, um, you know, what I see going on. Right. This is not a commentary. Right. Um, there are better commentaries out there. Well, and I mean, and you purposely, you know, you weren't going for that. Um, everything is done to facilitate growth in the Christian's life. And, and so again, right, it's, it's void of a lot of the extra mm -hmm. stuff, which, you know, sometimes I love the extra stuff. But if, if you have someone who, especially if they're kind of unchurched or newly churched, then this is probably a great book to give them because it's not going to have a lot of the fluff and it's, it's a, just the facts, ma'am, meat and potatoes kind of a book. It, at least it seems that way to me. Right. You're not going to find, you know, definitions of Greek words. Right. Uh, within the text. Um, you know, it's, it's just going to be something that you can pick up and, and you can structure in your own reading. Um, you know, it, it is split up into three sections uh, on your mark. Uh, is, is the first section just uh, preparing us, uh, get set, is, you know, how we're walking with Jesus, uh, what he's teaching us along the way. Um, and then there's a point where, you know, we have to be released. You know, obviously right. Jesus, his Holy Spirit is always with us. Uh, but there's a point where we have to take action on what we have received and uh, so uh, the final section of the book is go. Nice. On your market set, go. Nice. And uh, that final section, I, I hope, is, is something that can compel us to be agents of change for Christ in our world. I don't know if you've had an experience like this, but maybe you have people approach you. Once they know you've written something, they'll say, you know, I'd really like to write a book and I'd like to. And really, you know, with technology as it is, anybody can be an author today. I mean, you and I are proof of that, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you've had someone approach you with that. What would you tell them if they did ask you? Uh, what is your intention? Hmm. You know, again, you know, you're, you're not going to get rich off of this. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, I, I hope that I break even with this last book. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um <laughs> But again, that's not the intent, mm. um, and you have to be okay with that. Mm. Um, so if, if you are writing for the right reasons, um, if you know uh, your desire is to tell the world something that, uh, that you know um, or that you've experienced that they need to hear, then great, go for it. Um, but again, be willing to accept that criticism along the way. Um, yeah. And, you know, 
I think it's just like anything else in life. It's not going to come out perfect the first time. Um, I think that you had in a previous Matt cast even um, mentioned that uh, you spoke with somebody who inquired of you uh, about the writing process and uh, wondered how to get better at writing. And you said, well, you have to keep writing. Right. And that's spot on. Mm-hmm. You must keep writing. Uh, your writing will get better. And uh, reading. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn a lot by reading other authors. You begin to find your own voice. Um, you know, you find what works for you, what doesn't. Um, yeah, that's good. And expanding your vocabulary because it right. gives you more tools uh, on the tool belt. You know, wor- words are our friend mm-hmm. in this work. And learning more words, I mean, you know, you, you don't try to just shimmy them in there to look like, you know, I do word power. But it's it's that it's the ability to create pictures and, and even introduce people to words that they don't know. Oh my word, do we need that today more than ever? It's mm-hmm. just the expansion of vocabulary and this is such an amazing language, mm-hmm. the English language is. Um, and, uh, and I think you're right, reading absolutely does that. So how can people get a hold of your books? Uh, right now it's uh, solely on Amazon. Um, electronically, uh, as well as a paper copy. Uh, the electronic version, uh, I set priced extremely low uh, so that it is very accessible. Um, but uh, yeah, right on Amazon, on your mark. Uh, or your name, Steve Rosenberger. Those are all E's in your last name. Correct. Um, if you I had to think to about that. For a <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, you know, you got a lot on your mind. You know, um, uh, excellent, excellent, Steve. I want to thank you for your time. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing some wisdom from us here on the Madcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. And I want to thank Steve Rosenberger for being my guest on the Madcast. Be sure to get a copy of On Your Mark available now on Amazon. And we appreciate you being a part of the Madcast. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. We hope to see you again soon. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. For more information about our books and resources, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time.